0: Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited about today's conversation. It's all about leadership. And you know what? Leadership has never felt more uncertain or more divisive than in this last year. Definitely more than I've ever experienced before in my entire life of ministry. Uh, The future isn't much clearer and how you make decisions uh, when the future is predictable is really tricky. And your team has so many different opinions. How do you navigate all that? If you're looking for clarity on how to get the right decisions done uh, to advance your mission here in 2021. If you're looking for how to change quickly and to meet the constantly changing landscape and how to get team buy-in on every decision that you're carrying, listen, I want you to check out Carrie Newhoff's brand new free resource, the Pivot Ready Check Sheet. We've been talking about this uh, recently. The Pivot Ready Cheat Sheet is... Absolutely free, and it'll give you a framework that's really effective and resilient leaders use to make decisions, but not just make decisions, ultimately to take action. You can get this cheat sheet by checking out pivotreadycheat sheet.com to access your copy. Again, that's pivotreadycheat sheet.com to pick up your cheat sheet today. You're going to want to check it out. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast.
0: Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we attempt to bring you leaders who will both inspire and equip you, who will kind of help set some new directions direction and give you some practical hand- handles to take those steps and today is no exception super excited to have a two-person team on today, Dave and John Ferguson from Community Christian. This these group of leaders have just done. It's amazing what God's done through uh, their ministry. For folks that aren't aware, Community Christian has, I believe, if I can count correctly, nine locations in Illinois plus online. Plus, they're doing some amazing work in in three more correctional facilities and treatment centers. Uh, this is a fantastic church uh, with. It's really had uh, um, an amazing influence and helped so many churches across the country. Dave and John, welcome to the show. So glad. You're here, thanks for having us, Rich. Yeah, well, John, what, it's great to be here. Oh, I'm so honored that you would take some time out to be here. John, why don't we start with you? Kind of tell us a bit of the the community Christian story, kind of give us the for folks that aren't aware, uh, kind of a bit of the background. Tell us a bit about kind of your journey as a church.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief because the story gets longer and longer. Uh, but
0: uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, you know,
2: we we started as a handful of friends, and uh, Rich, uh, at truth is, um, uh, Early on in the life of community, we had a threefold vision. Uh, we wanted to be an impact church, which meant we want to be the kind of church that was reaching people who are far from God. We wanted to be a, a reproducing church. Uh, we didn't want to be one church in one place. We wanted to, you know, we were church planters. Our, our uh, Dave, my, my brother Dave and I, our, our dad is a church planter. It was kind of in our blood. So we wanted to reproduce and multiply locations and or churches all over Chicagoland and even beyond if possible, and then thirdly, you know, if if God would so bless, we we would love to be able to catalyze a movement. And uh, it, it is kind of remarkable. I think that that vision we scribbled out on a napkin at a, a tiny little restaurant in central Illinois with uh, three other friends. And we continue to really just see God kind of um, allow that to unfold uh, all over Chicagoland. And now through a new thing, our our um, movement of churches all over all over the world. Dave, how, how many churches are now a part of the new
3: thing? Uh, When I talked to Patrick, our global director, last, we have uh, 388 networks globally and about 6,000 churches that are affiliated with it. Yeah. And so, you know,
2: we've uh, continued to fulfill that vision as God has so led us. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, our our mission, which uh, we kind of scribbled out on paper about 18 months into the life of our church is simply helping uh, people find their way back to God. And I mean, that's kind of what makes our heart beat fast. Uh, That's what we're passionate about. We would like to wake up every day. Uh, thinking about what what does it look like for us to fulfill that mission and really equip people to to also uh, fulfill that mission of helping people find their way back to God.
0: Now, Dave, could you give us a sense of uh, kind of the church today? Obviously, we're in we're still in this like intra COVID period, so it's obviously a little bit, you know, hard to give. uh, Like, what is our church now? What does that look like? But give us a sense of kind of the ministry in you know Chicagoland specifically, and kind of what is the the makeup of that? Give us a bit of a flavor. If people were to you know experience this your your ministry today, what would be some of the kind of hallmarks of today's ministry at at community?
3: If you yeah, if you were to be a part of what we're doing in Chicago right now, we we talk about having four different expressions. So we have like you mentioned our nine or uh, nine physical locations. Then so we also have three. Uh, the second expressions is our community freedom, which is our in prison facilities, and so we have three of those. And then of course we also have our our online presence, which has you know for the last year been by far uh, mm-hmm. we're currently still not meeting in person, but has been by mm-hmm. our our, uh, our largest expression. And then the, the fourth expression that we have is what we call 3C communities, which are, is a micro expression of church, That it's kind of in a beta phase. We have uh, six of those micro sites, uh, three in Spanish, three in English, uh, five are in Chicago and one in Mexico City. So those four expressions probably make up um, what you'd probably, your, at least your first experience with community.
0: Hmm, very cool. Um, you know, one of the things I, I think folks that have been journeying in the church leadership space for a while uh, know community, they know the good work that you've done, particularly on the multiplication side, that's, you know, your your church is, like you say, it's, it's, a, it's a movement maker kind of church uh, that's had an impact all over the world. But I'd love to kind of focus down on at the individual level. One of the things that I'm assuming under the hood of community that you've been able to do over the years is at the individual level, help people, motivate people, instruct people, equip people towards actually sharing the love of Christ. Now, I maybe John, we could start with this. I think most people that sit in most of our churches have this inclination of like, yes, I would love to do that. But why does why does it seem to stumble so many times where, you know, people are un, either unable, unmotivated? Help us understand that problem. Why is it that um, individuals who attend our churches just seem to struggle with um, being able to share the message of Christ or what Jesus has done in their lives? Why, why do you think that is, John?
2: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Rich. I I, I think, I mean, all, almost all Christians, I think, want to share the love of Jesus with their friends and neighbors, uh, you know, we we, we we have that innate desire. Christ has made a huge difference in our own life, not only this life, but our eternal life. And so we want to share what we know to be the best news in the world. But so often I, I think, and even as a pastor, and I know Dave would, would echo this as well, it often feels awkward when we try or um, we leave feeling like, you know, we failed at a bad sales pitch. and uh, And so there's just this frustration, I think, uh, not only with folks that, you know, get paid to do this, but I think the average everyday, um, person that, that shows up who also is compelled by what they've experienced, but just haven't figured out what does it look like to do this in a, in a sort of natural way that doesn't feel like I'm trying to, you know, coerce or convince somebody into doing something that maybe they don't want to do. And so I think uh, people either, they just, you know, either feel guilty for not doing it or they keep trying to do it unsuccessfully. Uh, But we just felt like there had to be a better way.
0: Now, Dave, at community specifically. uh, So when I, I look back when I first was a Christ follower, this is like, I'm a teenager. One of my very first experiences, I was like fired up about sharing the message of Jesus. And so uh, I got involved in evangelism explosion, which you would (laughs) no doubt know. And, and so I can recite that. Hey, what, I've got two questions to ask. And that was like, uh, and there, and although I look back at that and say, Hey, well, that actually was a great foundation. There was lots of great things about that. And, you know, the idea of going door to door, knocking on doors, I did that. That was like actually with my father in law. That's a whole other story. Uh, but what, have, what has community done over the years, Dave, to help move people out of that awkwardness and into really a lifestyle of trying to share what God's done in their lives? As you look back over the years, how have you as a church really helped kind of add fuel to that fire in people's lives? What has worked uh, for community over the years on that front?
3: I love that you went through Evangelical Explosion.
0: Uh, say it, it. And Grace, Man, God, Christ, Faith. You got the outline? Absolutely. You better believe it. The chair, you know, you've got faith in that chair there, don't you? Uh, it's good stuff.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, maybe our maybe our journeys have been similar because, I mean, um, pre-Planning uh, Communication Church, yeah, I went through that same kind of training. Um, and, uh, I, oh, gosh, this is like a, a confession I'm embarrassed of. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember starting something in college called the Soul Winners Club. God forgive me. Oh, nice, love it. That's great. Oh yeah, I guilt-tripped not only every student but almost every professor into into doing like door to door. I mean, we we'd go to the streets, and 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 it goes back to what John was talking about. There was a genuine good, although the application was horrific. A good intention. Mm. Yes, wanted to share the good news, and so we kind of we took that into community. I think one of the things we accidentally got right at community is that most people belong before they believe. So we saw lots of people come to faith through small groups, but mm. we still, even in the early days, didn't do a great job of equipping them of how to actually share their faith. And I would say it's only been in the, it's really been in the last decade that. Um, that we began to be like, okay, we looked over our shoulders. And I I, I think you could almost say my experience, and maybe our church's experience was kind of the same way. And we had a season where we tried to, to do a verbal witness. And mm-hmm. those came up like what John described as just relationally awkward or like, why are you talking about this now? Or maybe like your own experience with the Evangelical Explosion, like, why are you showing at my house uninvited and you're right. helping me with the two diagnostic questions? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so while it was well-intentioned, it didn't work. And so then we moved to a season where we're like, well, you know what? People are just going to see it in my life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while I think they might have appreciated it, I think because there was no verbal witness at all to go with it, that also didn't work. And so that's when we had really um, come across. Um, we began, I could give you a story if you want. Yeah, absolutely. We actually, a guy emailed me out of the blue, um, this doctoral dissertation. Called blessers versus converters, hmm. and basically, it was, and, and it was part of his doctoral uh, thesis. And it was a case study of a team, two teams of missionaries that both went to Thailand. Mm. One group went as what they called blessers, yep, and another group went as converters. And the converters mm. went to save souls; that was their, issue. and the blessers went just to, to bless people wherever wherever God brought them. Over mm. the course of two years, what he found. Was that the converters only saw two people actually come to faith? Fascinating. But the blessers, two 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 outcomes. One created a lot of social capital, a lot of social good. Yeah. And then secondly, saw a hundred people come to faith. Interesting. So, I mean, to be honest with you, too, I think that was, it was that it was that study that then kind of drove us to the life of Christ, and we began to yes. look how did Jesus actually do this. And that's where we came up with these blessed practices, which we've been using now for the last eight or nine years and both personally and as a church. And it has really uh, just changed things for us and give us a, not something to add to your life. Uh It's important for all your church leaders are here because that that's Uh hard for our people, but it's a way Uh to live your life. And I think that's what Uh it wasn't something Jesus added to his life, but a way to live his life that really did bless people and was, you know, introduce grace to.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, there's this, the, the, uh, the seminary kind of way of saying that it's both the proclamation and demonstration of the, the life of Jesus ultimately translating into people's lives. It's like shocker that that actually, uh, works rather than just pure proclamation, right? Just like, Hey, we're going to stand on the street corner or, you know, whatever, whatever that is. Now, I I remember again, sticking with the, you know, kicking evangelism explosion, uh, (laughs) you know, subtext to this conversation, I had the two question mark pin that I would wear on my shirt oh, yeah. that people would say, hey, what What are those two question marks for? And, and that theoretically was supposed to be an everyday way that uh, we could begin this conversation, um, which obviously never worked. I never once had someone ask me, why do you have two question marks on your pin on your shirt? Uh, but what have you found to help people infuse this, like you say, uh, you know, to infuse it into everyday life? John, how have you helped people, uh, you know, Rather than saying, "Hey, we're going to come up with some presentation or some kind of a stilted, awkward way," what has what has worked to try to help infuse this into ev- people's everyday life?
2: Well, Rich, before we go any
0: further, though, I have two questions for you. And the first one, is, <laughs> if you were to stand before God, if were to take- <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel bad. They're clearly not. I don't even know if Evangelism Explosion exists anymore. I don't. I, I'm sure it does somewhere, but uh, I feel bad for those hey, people are kicking them today. Hey, yes. Rich,
3: as long as we're beating up on them, let me say a nice thing about about it back. Yes, yes. While it was a in my opinion, a not very effective by the time I started using the evangelism program. You know what? I do think going through it as, gosh, what was I? I was probably 19. It was the first time I really understood grace. Absolutely. It was oh, a, yeah. a very strange way. It was almost like I'm I'm being trained to share my
0: faith. And I think for the very first time, I really got it. I really got right. it. So we'll give them some props for that. Yeah and I would I would echo the same thing you know it, it the thing it was it's been foundational it's been foundational for my thinking and the thing I love uh, about evangelism explosion was it was an intentional approach saying hey we're going to try to make a difference in our community which which I do think all churches need to have we can't just um, wish this in like, oh, well, maybe it'll happen. I think we do need to take some intent. We need to make some intentional steps. We need to say, hey, these are the things we're going to do. Now, I think it just maybe got out of step with the broader culture, but it, it was really effective on that front. So back to the question, John, what has worked yeah. uh, at, at community in, in recent decades uh, to help, uh, you know, really help your people live out the message of Christ, really be both demonstrating and pro- proclaiming what God's done in their world? Right.
2: and That's a great question, Rich. And, I, and, it, and it really is about uh, proclamation and demonstration. And I think, you know, most of us who, who grew up in the church and experienced things like uh, evangelist explosion or the, um, you know, the, the four spiritual laws or whatever it might be. Uh, I think, you know, we had proclamation kind of beaten into us as if that needed to be um, at, at least the most important, uh, maybe even the first thing you do. And I think what what we found is that really, if we could put demonstration first um, and let people see the love of Jesus in our lives and how we befriend them, you know, Jesus was called a friend of sinners, then we'll have an opportunity for that proclamation. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that our, our mission statement is helping people find their way back to God. And, uh, you know, a number of years ago. we came to the conclusion that, you know, people in our church, they they knew that mission statement. They could recite it. You can't go to our website without stumbling on it. You can't go to one of our buildings without seeing it. It's on every piece of printed material we have. Um, I remember one time Ed Stetzer uh, came to community and experienced our services. We went out for lunch afterwards. And at lunch, he says, uh, man, 13 times, 13 times. Mm. Like, okay, Ed, 13 times what? (laughs) He goes (laughs) Thirteen times I heard that phrase, helping people find their way back to God, oh, <laughs> the moment I walked in the building until I left. And in, I think in, a, in some ways maybe they, we took a little bit of a pride in the fact that people knew it, but what we discovered mm. is just because they knew the mission statement, they weren't really um, living it out. And oh, that's good. They had the passion, they had the desire, but we wanted to give people something really practical so that the moment they woke up in the morning. And before their feet hit the floor, they could say, okay, this is what it looks like for me to help people find their way back to God. This is something I can do every single day. I don't have to be a professional. I can do this every single day. And so that's where we came up with these um, blessed practices.
0: Nice. Uh, Dave, why don't you walk us through, I've seen online enough uh, that I know there's this BLESS acronym, uh, but w- what is BLESS? Can of talk us through at a high level? What do those stand for? And then maybe we'll jump into a few of them. Sure. Well, we'll move real, real quick through this. Uh, and so you have
3: a five there. spelled the word "bless" and B. And this is a little bit of a stretch, but stick with me. Um, B is begin with prayer. Nice. That's good. We, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> and what, and what the cool part is, we actually see this in the in the these in the life of Jesus. That's exactly how Jesus started his his started his ministry. And mm-hmm. so we encourage, but no, if you just will begin to pray for the people in your neighborhood, pray for the people that you work with. It can be you list them on your journal or you do a prayer walk in the morning. But, and, and I, unfortunately or fortunately, Christians are always kind of asking, does that count? And yeah, mm. pray for people. Do one of these every day. That counts. The L stands for listen. Um, Barna came out with some research. It was fascinating. They found out that 62% of non Christians and lapsed Christians said they would talk about faith with someone who would listen without judgment. And so what you find in Jesus too is you have a guy if we got the count right a, a, who asked 183 different questions. He was mm. And 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 so he wasn't always answering questions but also was often asking questions and then listening. Mm. And um I think I think uh, Christians have a reputation of probably doing more talking than listening, but listening uh-huh. is just a great way to love people. And then the third one E stands for eat, which is that's <laughs> I love that one um, <laughs> love it 21 times a week most of us three times a day we do that and if we can just find ways to integrate other people you know have breakfast with us invite them over for dinner or coffee or dessert there, there, there's you're you're married right rich yeah I am absolutely yep so I'm sure back in the day uh, when this wonderful woman came into your life one of the first things you did in order to build this friendship with her is like hey Want to go out to dinner? Want to go out to yes, dinner? absolutely, absolutely. In some ways, a little secret, to, you know, the leaders listening. These are like remedial tools for building friendships.
0: Mm, yes. Okay. Good.
3: Jesus did. I mean, Jesus. His reputation was that he would eat right with sinners. Mm-hmm. John, why don't you give us the last two?
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
2: So you got begin with prayer, listen, eat, and then the first S and bless is for serve. And you know, mm-hmm. Jesus told us straight up. You know, he didn't come to be served, but what? But to serve. To serve, I mean, yeah. He modeled that for us, that, you know, if you'll begin with prayer, if you'll listen and eat with somebody, there's a good chance that you'll discover how you can best serve that person that God is uh, asking you to bless. And I think oftentimes, you know, we the, the, it's questionable as to whether the serving is about the person serving or the person being served. Oh, I, I think, again, yeah, well start, true. take the time to build this friendship, you know, begin with prayer. Mm-hmm. engage with people, listen intently, share meals with them, we will discover the best way uh, to serve them to ensure that that serving really is about them and not, you know, to make me feel good about doing a good deed for somebody. Mm-hmm. So we, begin with prayer, we listen, we serve. And then the, finally, the second S in bless is for story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the life of Christ, when people were ready to listen, he'd share his story, you know, when... Doubting Thomas came to him asking, Hey, how can, how can we know the way Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me, a relationship with me. And so, you know, that second S in blesses for story. And that that's the proclamation piece. And you've got the demonstration, but you've also got the proclamation. And, you know, what we've discovered is that, you know, if you've taken the time to pray for somebody. And again, I want to reiterate what Dave said too. I think so often we don't think prayer counts. Well, that is a way to be on mission. That actually counts. There are people who cross your path every day who've never had somebody ever pray for them. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying you stop them and and lay hands on them in the middle of the street. loud. Sure, sure. out. Just whisper a prayer, right? Um, but again, you know, if if you've been praying for somebody, really listen to them their 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 dreams, their their failures, their desires, their longings. Uh, share mm-hmm. a meal or two, you know. You take that. Mm-hmm that relationship from acquaintance to friendship and then mm-hmm. serve them in a tangible and meaningful way. I, I mean, by then there's a good chance they'll ask you, okay, what, what makes you different? Why do you, why do you do what you do? Tell me your story. Um, yeah, totally. We'll talk about the difference that, you know, the love of Jesus has made in your life and, and what His you know, death burial, and resurrection yeah. means to you.
0: That's so good. I, Dave, I wonder if we could jump in and kind of dig a little bit into the listen piece. You mentioned this, but I think it is so true that um, we don't seem to be as – you know, broader evangelicals or the broader Christian world, we're not perceived as that's a listening group. That's a group of people who uh, will, will slow down enough to hear actually my life. How, how are you encouraging your people in that L in that listen piece? What, what has that looked like? What kind of coaching? What kind of um, instruction? How are you helping people wrestle with that, that L uh, letter in bless?
3: I mean a few things come to want, come to mind first of all I mean we really try to encourage people that i mean it's your job to bless and it's God's job to convert and I think sometimes we don't land on the listen part long enough because we feel like it's our job to convert people so i gotta i gotta i gotta explain to them where they're wrong and how I'm right and here's the truth mm-hmm. and we screw the whole thing up mm-hmm. um, so i so I, I think if, if we can um, just remind people. nope, the Holy Spirit has that job. He's, he's got it taken care of. You, you just, you just love people. You bless people, and part of that is by listening to them. That ma- that makes a huge difference too. And I, I think also there needs to. We also need to encourage our people just to have a uh, a posture of humility. That while yeah, we do have the truth, and truth sets you free. You don't know everything, and you don't know their story. You don't know their pain. You don't. You and you and, and there's lots of things about life you don't know. Both, and, and you can learn from people, yeah, who are believers, but also people who are non believers. So, um, so again, listen. And, yeah, and it's, and it's just, it is a, it's just a great way to love people. Yes. Love if I could people. interject too, I mean,
0: we've Absolutely. had
2: that experience, haven't we? Where you're, you're with somebody and they are so dialed in, like you you feel like you're the only person in the room. Uh-huh. And of course, we've had uh-huh. the other experience, too, where yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. to them. you could tell they're looking over your head beyond you. There's lots of, mm, uh-huh, mm, yeah, uh-huh, you know, and we've probably been guilty of that, too. And so I think okay. we know the, the power and the gift of listening. If we can just, you know, dial in that way with the folks who don't know Jesus and, and, and build a friendship on that, I think we would we'd really see some amazing things happen.
0: Absolutely. There's something so appealing, uh, about an individual who is curious, right? There's something, you know, when, when someone's curious about my life, that man that draws me close to them right there's a there's a connection here obviously we're this in fact this interview is somewhere right around our fifth our 500th interview Mm -hmm. and a part of what I realize is like I'm just bent towards being curious I love hearing people's story I love getting to know others but man if we could encourage our people that that should be their orientation in life not only will 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 that be attractional in the sense of people will want to lean in and and learn more but their lives will be better because you're man you learn all kinds of things when you lean in and listen to people regardless of their spiritual background that's that's incredible you know, John, I wonder, so you've written a book. You, first of all, it's amazing to me that as brothers, you've been together this long. I have a brother, love him dearly. Uh, the fact that you've been able to work together this long is amazing. The fact that you'd write this book together is incredible. You've written a book called Bless, uh, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and to Change the World. John, why did you decide now after all this time to say, hey, we're going to put this into a book? Uh, what kind of drove that decision? C- give us a sense of why you would take that step.
2: Well, you know, I, th- I think in large part it goes back to what we've talked about before. We we see the frustration uh, not only among pastors but of people in our own church, and so we wanted to put something in the hands of both pastors, but even more importantly, really every person in your church, because I mean, the, the great commission is for all of us. We're all, we're all sent. We're all to go. And you know, you, we have a sending God that goes all the way back to Abraham. Right. And and the whole idea of blessed goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis where God said, you will be blessed and I will bless all nations mm-hmm. through you. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. went all over the, the, the place during his ministry and blessed people. I mean, in his greatest teaching, he, what gave us nine ways how you can live a blessed life. He blessed the children when they came. And then, you know, in Galatians, Paul talks about how, You know, we're descendants of Abraham and we, too, are blessed to be a blessing. And so um, discovering, I think, that nugget in Scripture and seeing how practical it was in the life of Christ led us to a place where we've got to get this word out. And we believe that that if people would just go about their day, saying, "Okay, what does it look like for me to be a blessing? And, you know, we could provide them just a really practical way to love their neighbors. And as the the subtitle says, love your neighbor and change the world. And so I think the real impetus behind this was um, our desire to see more people find their way back to God and equip pastors and church leaders to put something in the hands of their people that really could lead them through that process.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, uh, you know, Dave, you are, you've written, well, both of you've written a lot of books, a book like Hero Maker and my, that's on my list of like must read for church leaders. I think it's a fantastic book and has been, you know, widely influential. My impression is this book is really written, although church leaders should read it and engage with it. It's really written for everyone in in my church. Give me a sense of the kind of people you were thinking about as you were putting this book together, Dave. What's your kind of target uh, of the kind of person you're hoping will read this?
3: Yeah, I mean, there were some specific people we kind of had in mind. I mean, I won't actually say the name of the person, but there's one uh late 20s uh mom who has two kids and and uh was married about 4 or 5 years ago that I was I was thinking about that person i was also mm-hmm. thinking about um uh, a neighbor of mine who isn't a christian and oh. what what that what how this would um sound and um to that person so um we we really had kind of just the everyday person who's going like yeah i love God, I've been changed by His grace, how, how can I effectively share that in a way that actually makes sense to people? And that when I finally do talk
0: about it, they actually want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. John, can you give me a sense um, at community? One of the things that struck me about this book was, I, like, I'm this is the kind of book I could see doing an entire series around, building some kind of conversation pieces around, uh, not just as the kind of thing we do and then move on from, but really try to embed it into the culture of our church. I think you've provided a great framework that could be um, helpful for that. Can you give us a sense of how BLESS as an acronym framework approach has impacted community and how that's kind of embedded? Uh, what has that looked like for, you know, for community?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I think one of the things that we discovered even even most recently as we began to roll this book out is that, um, like I said before, even still so many people know our mission statement, but they were still struggling to live it out. And so we actually surveyed our church and found that um, 70% of us not only know our mission, uh, we could name the blessed practices. And that's great. But uh, then we also discovered that only 27% are actually living them out on a daily basis. Now, I think some people would say, wow, if I had a quarter of my people living out blessed practice on a daily basis, I'd be, you know, doing cartwheels. Well, you know, on the one hand, we, we see that there's progress and that's a great start, but we felt like um, we want to reinforce that over and over again. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're doing whatever we can to, to reinforce this idea of blessed and what it could look like, even during the pandemic. I mean, these are practices. What I love about them is you can do this even when you're isolated in your own home. I mean, there, nothing about uh, the pandemic is keeping us from praying for our neighbors, right? Um, right. Build this thing called a smartphone you can pick up and talk and listen to people <laughs> or, or Zoom, right? Um, eating, you know what? I mean, I've talked to people that are sharing meals over Zoom, <laughs> you know? Yes. And if you can't do it with somebody, then order carry out for somebody who can't get out. Uh, so yes. that's the beauty of these practices, I think, is they're really practical. Anybody can do them, even, you know, in- under the constraints that we're experiencing through this pandemic. And so, um, yeah, we continue to reinforce these. We do a series on BLESS just about every year, and we incorporate into other uh, talks throughout the course of the year as well. And uh, we're trying to do all we can to make those resources available to as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Dave, uh, I want to encourage church leaders to pick up a copy of this book in fact I think it could be the kind of thing that you know you they're going to want to have a bunch of them on hand to be able to use in small groups and that sort of thing where do we want to send people if they need to pick up a copy or ten uh, of of these where do we want to send people today
3: um, of course you obviously can get it on Amazon uh, but also if you want to go to uh, bless bookorg bless hyphen org that's uh, that'd be the best place that's our landing page and if you get church leaders think about, uh, bolt purchases. We can, we, we can work with them to get to make sure they give them the best price possible. Hey, you know what, Rich, let's do something here. I'll, I'll just, yeah. this out. um, we're doing this kind of on the sly with just people that are part of our launch team. And I'll tell you what, any of your listeners, if they want to shoot me an email, cause they're going like, yes, we're going to buy a bunch of these books and we want to do the whole blessed series. Um, our big ID resources, typically we sell, you know, we do the word for word manuscripts and the videos and the graphics on it. I think it usually is about $180. Mm-hmm. And if they send me an email and say, yep, we're going to do the series, we're going to buy a bunch of books, we'll just send it to them for free. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So, I'll, and I, you probably have some notes or something that you'll post along yep. with. Okay. We'll, we'll put my, my email. I'll just say it and then you can put it in there. It's Dave Ferguson at org. Dave Ferguson at communitychristian.org. And uh, we'll just go in the honor system. They're going like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to use this stuff and buy some books and win the series. They might as well start with ours because we got complete manuscripts and the whole thing. And it'll That's perfect. be a great starting point. That's, That's fantastic. fantastic. I was just going to add, Rich, too. You know, uh, for folks
2: to stay in touch with that web page, there bless-book so, because we're going to be also making a training videos, short, just brief training videos on each chapter as well that people can use, and a discussion guide for the book if they're wanting to uh, help folks put that into practice in their churches.
0: Well, that's incredibly generous. I really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, coming on, but then also offering to help even more. It doesn't surprise me at all that your reputation precedes you. You're helpful church leaders that want to make a difference for folks that have listened to Unseminary for a long time. You know, we don't bring a lot of authors, frankly, on the podcast. We could have one every week if we wanted to, uh, but I really appreciate this book and the the impact it'll have. Our hope, our prayer. I really do think this is the kind of thing that could shift. Um, the intensity in your church around how are we helping people reach out to their community. So I'd strongly encourage you to think cl- to think about this, to pick up a copy, email Dave. Don't just email him random questions. Email him only about this uh, stuff. That would be great. I appreciate you guys being on the show today, Dave and John. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Anything else you'd like to say uh, as we wrap up? Maybe Dave will give you the last word. I don't know who to give the last word to, but we'll give it to Dave. Any last word you'd like to say before we wrap up?
3: No, I, and we want to both, I think on behalf of John, I want to say thanks for leveraging your platform uh, for us to share what God's doing. And also, we were talking pre show, thanks for the influence you have on our church, like the Yearbook Church with Flywheel. And um, we're, we're grateful, grateful that you gave us this opportunity. Thank you
1: very much.